You need to be at the Invest Wealth Summit, December 1st through the 3rd in Tampa, Florida. Join Tucker Carlson, Buck Sexton, Dutch Mendenhall, Lisa Booth, Tudor Dixon, and many more. Secure your seat at investwealthsummit.com. 2024 could be your best year financially if you know how to navigate it. Tucker Carlson will be live on stage with Buck Sexton and many more. Do not get left behind. Tickets will sell out. Secure your seat at investwealthsummit.com today. Welcome to the Part-Time Outdoors Podcast. Hosted by Matt Noss and Nate Wright. Welcome back. Episode 22, Part-Time Outdoors. We've been gone a little while, having a crazy off-season. Nate got married. I had a kid. There's grouse season in the mix, hunting season, a little bit of everything. Um, have our studio about finished, so we'll be recording from that in not too long, probably the next episode. Today, it'll be me. Um, it's got some loose ends to tie up, and he's working on that studio. And I have Mr. Jed Guthrie. I think we're on that. Jedediah, right? Jedediah, yes. <laughs> so this will be a... Kind of a, a mixture of everything, but we'll be wrapping up West Virginia grouse season, kind of going over how it went, uh, a little bit about Jed's trips to South Dakota and his new puppy got. And Jed also has a little girl, so you might hear some background noises. Got my wife babysitting him upstairs today. So Jed, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Jed, you want to tell them a little bit about yourself and uh, your dogs and how you got into grouse hunting? Yeah, so uh, my name's Jed Guthrie. I'm here from Grafton, West Virginia, uh, born and raised, um, and like been hunting, you know, long long as I can remember. Uh, you know, my dad took me, you know, deer hunting from a young age. Uh, uh, really big into beagles, uh, rabbit hunting there for for a long extent of time, and uh, uh, remember my first hunt uh, for birds was ten years old up at TNT, um, and man, I. Ever since then, I was, I was hooked, uh, and and I remember uh, pulling up there and, and watching shows with my dad on TV, and I was like, man, I want them them speckled dogs, whatever that dog is, <laughs> with, with a lot of specks and and that short tail, like man, they're just beautiful. And at ten years old, you know, I was hooked to a German short hair, and uh, I, I remember playing his day. The the guy that took us out there at TNT, he had his personal dogs, and they're Britneys. And my dad asked, he's like, hey, is there any chance we can get all their dogs my son wants to hunt you know behind a german short hair and the guy's like yeah yeah we can do that so um you know from then on i was kind of always intrigued with with bird hunting but uh didn't didn't have dogs or anything of, of our own uh like i said we had a bunch of beagles my dad was really big into rabbit hunting we did akc and ukc hunts um and did that forever and uh had had a couple german short hairs at a young age um Got one as a birthday present. Um, it had a, a incident and died kind of young. And then, uh, yeah, um, just years kind of went by. And after college, uh, uh, you know, getting on the road of work and finally uh, got a dog. And that's Max, my first one. Uh, um, he's a black roan and never seen too many black roans before. I think he is actually like my second one I've ever seen in person. And man, it's the addiction has started from there. Yeah, there's not too many black runes that you see at all. And I think the AKC just started recognizing them as an AKC breed, like within the past couple of years. Um, I know that that's probably the only black I've hunted with one other black one mm -hmm. now that I think about it. But yeah, they're they're kind of a rare. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, not as it. I feel like you're seeing, you know, I don't know if it's with social media and, and everything, seeing, you know, the more the black tick, black roan, uh, German short hairs. But, but um, yeah, he was like, I think only the second one I've ever seen in person. And um, man, you know, he's, he's been my boy. He's, he's definitely a, a daddy's boy there. And um, man, it's just, you know, from then on, I started reading books, uh, bought a couple books off Amazon, uh you know, Project Upland, listen to Nick Larson's uh, podcast, their project well, was Project Upland at first. Uh, and man, you know, Gundog Magazine, any literature I could get, 
you know, I was just reading, trying to learn because, you know, he's my first uh, upland dog and trying to, you know, get a feel for what I wanted out of my dog. Yeah, they a lot of people talk about buck fever, but I th I honestly I think that gun dog fever is worse. I mean, you see a buck walking through the woods, it comes up, you get that that split little rush of adrenaline. It lasts maybe you get 20 seconds during the season, but when you're gun dog hunting, I mean, it's I get that rush all the time. I just just on the way to the cover, I get that rush. I like I have it bad and it sounds like you got it just as bad. Oh yeah, I, I mean I'm just like ate up with it. You know, it it's a uh, um it, the the two worst things that ever happened to me, I think with hunting was was getting a gun dog because um like like I I I love hearing beagles run. I love hearing bear dogs run. Like you know, they're great, but man, like there's nothing in this world that excites me as much as watching my uh you know, my bird dogs, you know, my German short hairs. And, and it's not even a German short hair. I don't care if you guys said or Brittany. Like, I mean, I love them all. And I just get excited watching them work the woods. And, man, when, when they lock up on point, like, man, it's just it's just the biggest adrenaline rush to me. I love it. It really is, especially in the West Virginia grass woods because they're, they're pretty hard to come by. So it's almost like finding that trophy buck. Because when you get when you finally find a grouse and you get a good point, I mean, you're like, I'm not gonna mess this up. This might be the only one I see all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. You, you know, so uh, my my first year with Max, uh, you know, you just read about you know get exposure, exposure to birds, and you know West Virginia grouse is pretty pretty tough. Like you know, it's I mean, I've I've hunted six seven hours and you know maybe get skunked, you know, and that that's how your day goes, and and. Um, with a pup, man. So I didn't want to do that to him. So I hunted a lot of preserves, uh, went to TNT a lot. Um, you know, you got hunting Hills, uh, on point, you know, a lot of good places around to get him just associated with birds. And I know that that can be, you know, a touchy topic with, with, with certain people, you know, as long as you get good flight birds and, and, you know, don't let the dog get like right up on them. And then that second season hunted public land and PA, and then got on our first grouse, and man, I was I was hooked. It's 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 totally different too. Like you wouldn't think people think you know gun dog bird hunting, but the type of bird that you're hunting changes the game. Like I went to TNT once this year, and after hunting public land West Virginia grouse all year, and my dogs were it took them it took them a few minutes to to get back on track of hunting pheasants and the nice part about the preserves is you can get a mixture too like yeah. if you're taking them up there for training you can get pigeons if you're taking them up there to just preserve hunt i mean they i know tnt has pheasants um they can throw chucker out mm -hmm. every once in a while they get the bob whites so it's a nice mixture too oh yeah for sure i, I remember um so like all year long probably for a year i didn't go up there and we just hunted uh you know the woods here in here in uh, West Virginia and you know grouse woods they cover uh you know always in the woods and and um we actually went to PA and hunt just public land and man like I was having a hard time keeping Max in the field you know to go look for for the pheasant man he was just hunting the woods line which I mean we were having a lot of success at that too but like anywhere the woods was you know that's where he wanted to go because you know that's where we we're finding the grouse you know and and um he had a good transition like between the pheasant and and the grouse but but you know it the, the wild grouse are definitely man it it's it's a learning curve for all dogs i i mean i don't care how good your dog is it's going to bump one because man that is you know it's not the king of the woods for nothing i'm getting dug uh, i'm getting a uh, gun dog fever just talking about it honestly it's crazy too like i always have a hard time getting miles into his kennel or Huntley into his kennel in the tailgate unless he sees me put on that orange or grab a gun and then he's in there before I can even get to the truck, which is crazy because I was reading an article the other day that said dogs can't see orange. Like, um, I forget what color spectrums they were saying. I think blue and yellow they were saying that they could see. Um, so orange isn't on a dog spectrum per science, but I swear somehow my dogs see orange because they see that they see that orange coat go on an orange vest and like they're ready to go. Yeah, man, Max is the same way. You know, like it can be any day of the week and I come down into the basement and he's laying upside down just all comfy <laughs> on his couch, you know, just all sprawled out. But I'm telling you, like if I go 
or if I have like, you know, my stuff laid out, you know, the night before and my hunting vest is there and everything else. And like, I walk down, like, dude, he's waiting at the door. Like, he's like, dad, let's go. I'm, I'm ready to rip. And it's, it's funny, you know, like he has no problem getting in his uh, box and like, I mean, he'll jump on the tailgate and he's like, let's, let's roll. But, you know, when we come out of the woods, I'm like, Hey, load up man, since a puppy, like I have to pick him up and put him in there. And it's, it's not cause he can, or he's too tired. It's, he's not done. Right. Yep. I, and I want to touch a little bit about it. Um, I was going to do a solo episode on it, but I just, I guess we'll just go ahead and get through it here. I actually <laughs> forgot it. Um, but this year I did a rough grouse, West Virginia diary, um, or a log book. Some mm -hmm. people say you can get them all different kinds you can get as expensive as you want or you can get as low as you want just like a gun um i ended up going on the low side because i'm poor right now yeah. but um i got like a 20 dollar one off amazon um real cool leather back um but i was going over the numbers last night and kind of averaging them out and i don't have it in front of me um just to kind of see i'd like to over the years kind of get some statistics so i can be wiser at hunting them but kind of what i found we we're talking about it being almost like a trophy buck um and this might sound like pathetic to people that live in you know minnesota and maine and wisconsin but i was averaging i think it was a one grouse per 4.2 miles give or take um which if you're thinking like, oh, that's not bad. You've never hunted the Appalachian yeah. Mountains. A mile in the Appalachian Mountains can take a while. Um, so that was one statistic. Um, and then I was kind of trying to range as far as see what elevations I was being most successful at. Uh, and I was thinking, you know, I'd have more luck at the higher elevations, which I did. But from what my logbook says... I was actually having the most success around 3,000 feet, yeah, um, which was interesting and actually shocking to me. And one of the reasons I did it is because I wanted to kind of see, you know, where I need to be targeting. Because I was I was targeting like 38, 39, which I mean I had some flushes up there too, but it seemed like every day that I had four or five flushes or anything like that, um, it was always the the 3,000 mile 3,000 to three 3,300. And uh, that was one shocking statistic I saw. Um, the other one was that I was trying to key on is if anyone's hunted the rough grass, they know they like to run. And oh, yeah. <laughs> very frustrating. So um, one thing I kind of saw was when they were running versus when they were holding. And I felt like from reading my journals and going over it, Kind of the days where it was a little bit uh, more moist on the ground, which that could play into the dog's scent as well. Mm -hmm. um, they were, or if it was just a light drizzle, I felt like they were holding a lot better. Um, so that was another thing. Um, next year, I'm going to kind of key in on which way they're flushing. I didn't do that good of a job this year with that as far as are they flushing downhill, are they flushing uphill. Um, and there was a couple other things, but... From my counts, it was actually a, a hair lower than I thought because I only counted or grouse that were pointed that I saw and that I flushed or my dogs flushed or flushed in front of me. And that number was 22. I was thinking it would be higher, um, which encounters, you know, ones that I saw on the road or that I saw from a distance or that um, I kind of knew was there or flushed way out in front of me because the dogs got out in front of me, stuff like that. I didn't count. That number is closer to 40, which for me is in West Virginia is really good. Um, oh, yeah. I know I know a few guys that have had a lot more than that. Um, I won't count, I won't tell you what my misses were because <laughs> they were pretty high. Um, they were probably not as high as I thought they were going to be. Just, I'm kind of hard on myself, but I only counted – the bird misses. So when I took three shots at it, missed them all, that would only counted as one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I think that number was closer to like 10 or 11. But uh, there was there were some learning curves with, you know, picking the chokes and I didn't shoot enough skeet this summer and stuff like that. But uh, um, you know how that goes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
I'm terrible about, you know, every year I'm like, man, I'm going to keep a journal. Like, you know, with Max, I'm like, man, I'm going to keep good records. I think like maybe the first year I kept like a somewhat record and, and like a lot of pictures and stuff. And, and, um, you know, and then, you know, we got Allie this year. I'm like, man, like she's going to be the one, like I'm going to keep good records. I, I didn't like, I mean, I could probably go through uh, all my text messages with you and tell you exactly how many birds I got up and everything else. Cause mm -hmm. you know, we talk about it all the time. Um, but man, yeah, like they have to be the the hardest bird to to connect with. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily the toughest bird to to knock down, but it's just what's in the way of of the bird to knock it to get to the bird. You know, the the saplings, the greenbriars. You know, it. I couldn't tell you how many times throughout the years, not just this year, but you know the dogs are on point and you're like in your hands and knees to, to get to them. Yep. And, and then you just hear that, you know, that you flutter. Flush yeah. 10 yards away. Yep. Yeah. And you're like, you know, I, I can't even look up, you know, and let alone try to shoot. Um, but man, like that's, that's what makes it so awesome. And, and, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm terrible with my numbers. Like, you know, I couldn't exactly tell you, um, I know this is the first year I haven't even, uh, I guess you'd say harvest would be the correct term, uh, uh, a rough grouse. Um, and I'm okay with that, though. You like, were on them, though. I yeah, mean, I, you yeah. were on them every day. Yeah, like, you know, we were on them. Um, I hated it for my young dog. Um, and we can get into that, I'm sure, here here in a little bit later. Um, but, you know, both my dogs hunted a lot better by themselves. Like, well, I, I don't want to say it didn't matter to Max regardless. He's seven. He's seasoned, like he's in his prime, maybe getting out of his prime, like like it, not, you know, in the sense of finding birds in his nose, but more so just his speed. And, you know, he still has no problem putting in, you know, 20, 25 mile days. That's, you know, back to back. Um, but, you know, I got Allie. She does way better by herself because, you know, I don't, I, I can think of, you know, two birds, you know, right off the bat, like, you know, close to opening, you know, opening week. Uh, I think it's the second week, you know, Max was locked up and she just came in there, you know, guns blazing and just bumped it. And, and I mean, you know, she stopped like after, you know, she knew what she done. And, but, you know, sometimes that's the best way to teach a young pup. You I know, can't just, tell you how many times. It's funny you say that because reading through my logbook and, and I heard, I had already known this prior to reading through my logbook, but Anytime that they hunted together, and mine, my, I might be a little bit different because mine are both males. The competition, yeah. So when they're both there on point, they'll honor each other's point, you know, and they oh, might yeah. hold for a while. But when Daddy gets up there, then he's like, they well, be the "Hey, star. I'm the one that found it." And they, you know, they broke a couple times this year. Just yesterday, our last day. Yeah, uh, I didn't even see the grass, and there was a culvert there, and uh, so I had to flush from behind them, which. A little bit my fault. I, I pushed him a little bit, but I mean, the, I never saw the bird. It flushed probably five yards from my face, and I didn't even take a shot. It was the last day. I was hoping they could reproduce. I mostly was, it was more of just a walk at that point, but um, they broke on that one too. And it, there, there's so much competition there between them. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I don't necessarily think that's, that's my issue right now. Um, I think it's a little bit more with Allie. She, she's just relying more on max you know like max would lock up um on a bird solid point you know you know perfect distance away not putting pressure on the bird and she, i think she gets a little excited because she knows there's a bird there mm -hmm. and, and we haven't worked on backing now that'll, that'll be this summer you know she she's a puppy she just like i told you earlier she just turned 11 months old and she had a full season under her belt like you know um so she'll come in, you know, a little hot and, and, um, you know, if we get into a lot of birds through the day, like, you know, she calms down and, and corrects that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if we hunt, you know, three hours and that's the first bird, you know, she's a little hot. So, <laughs> it, so I try to hunt them separate, but, you know, if, if I only have three hours to go hunt, you know, you know, I got a little girl at home, mm -hmm. you know, a wife that, you know, wants to spend quality time with me and which I love dearly. Um, <laughs> I, I, I yeah. know exactly how that yeah. is. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's like it, how many times have we, you know, text each other and be like, Hey man, I'm going to leave in like 40 minutes. You want to go hunt? Yep. It's like, well, yeah, but I can't. And, and, uh, 
but but anyway so like instead of just running each dog for like an hour you know i just like like man shoot i'll i'll just run them both but um but to your topic too with like elevation you know listen to podcasts and what biologists have you know read, read a lot of stuff what biologists read too like you know the the west nile can't live above three thousand. so I, I think that's there's something to that like that's kind of like they're their honey hole for the birds because you're low enough elevation that you have good, you know, good cover. You got good food, you know, just kind of everything right there and for, for the grouse. And I think it, once you get to that 38, 4,000 feet, you know, a lot of the plate, unless they just did, you know, a cut, you know, 10 years old or whatnot, but you get a lot of rock and, mm-hmm. you know, not, not a lot of undergrowth for the birds to really stay put. Yeah. That, that's one thing. Um, you were talking about getting into a lot of birds. There was one thing I noticed too, like out of the almost 40 birds that we moved this year, not one single time, and this is the first year I've noticed that not one single time did a bird have another bird with it. I didn't flush any coveys of grass this year at all. And I don't know why that is. I know that West Virginia, I forget how many months it was, but at some point last year, they early last year, they had lost their grouse biologist or the guy that was in charge of the grouse. I think he did many things, turkey and a bunch of other stuff. But I think they just hired over the past couple months a biologist for rough grouse for West Virginia. So I do have a decent amount of questions for her. I would love to get her on the podcast. Um, I believe it's I believe it's a woman um, from what I heard anyway. And, um, I maybe even like in the spring, so she can kind of go over, you know, what the mass was like, the, the dry conditions versus wet, uh, nesting conditions, things like that. Um, I'd be really interested to see what she has to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd definitely be interested to sit in on that. Like not, you know, have to talk or anything, just, just to see what she has to say and also ask some questions. Um, Man, because like we need to do something like, you know, it, it's too special of a bird to to let it just kind of die off here in West Virginia. Um, and, and something I I kind of ran into a lot more um, this past or not this season, but season before. And, and I saw it this season, too. And, and I asked a couple guys about it that are, you know, have been hunting. Shoot, I don't know, 20, 30 years and. and um which I'll name drop Ron Phillips, you know, he, he's, I mean, anytime I've asked him a question, he's, you know, more than gladly answered it. And I mean, like, you know, he's not giving up honey holes or nothing, which I right. don't ask. And, you know, but just like, man, like, do I, what do I need to be doing, you know, or, or dog work? Like, I mean, he has phenomenal dogs, but I'm seeing a lot of birds in trees. Like, it's like, crazy. It, you said that yeah. I, I've seen more grouse and trees this year than I have ever seen. Yeah. And, and it's not like, um, you know, at daylight, like, like if it was at daylight and we see birds in the trees, like, okay, like I, I get it, you know, they're, they're still at roost or whatnot, but man, it's like, you know, it should be like peak feed time, you mm-hmm. know, like 11 o'clock and, and, uh, uh, we're in, um, hunting, I'm not going to say, but, you know, as with my father-in-law and, uh, you know, we we're hunting and whatnot. And, um, Max kind of went into this, this area and he went on point and I kind of went in and, and he came back to me and he, and he went back in and it's kind of thick. It, you know, it's kind of like a field, just like with a, like a, a, a stri- uh, I don't know, like a, a thick strip of woods. And he kind of went back in and kind of like started like bawling and, and they're like whining. I'm like, man, I hope there's not a bear in there, like thin down or something and uh, walked in on him and man, a grouse flushed out of the tree and, and like he couldn't, he knew it was there. He just didn't know where. And then, you know, after that kind of ran into a few more and, you know, that's tough on a dog. Like mm-hmm. that's tough on you. And, and it's just like really all odd, but, um, talked to a couple guys and a couple DNR people and they say, you know, predators are so bad in that area. They're just, they're doing whatever they can do to survive. Yeah. They, um, it's funny you say that cause kind of like how deer have adapted where if you're hunt, if you're deer hunting, um, you'll just kind of see deer instead of they'll use their nose and things, but you'll just see them walking through the woods looking up because <laughs> they've, they've adapted to, Hey, nine times out of 10, we're probably in a tree stand. And I've, I've noticed that with Huntley too. If he gets a scent of something, he can't find it. He's when he starts looking up. Yep. I've kind of noticed that more than likely there's a grouse in the tree. And, uh, 
there, that's been a big topic of debate too with I, I know me and my brothers have went round and round. Um, I'm still not sure which I believe as far as the coyotes. Um, actually, yesterday I saw three dead coyotes on the, the side of the road, and I still don't know if that's good or bad. And let me back it with this, and this controversial. So, Pheasants Forever did a study, and I may have said this before in the podcast, that it was like a multi-farm study. And they said their conclusion was don't kill the coyotes. And their backing for that was the coyotes are killing all of the things that are destroying their habitat, like raccoons, possums, turkeys, all of that. So that was one take of it. I still wasn't fully bought in. I read another article um, a guy at work had told me about. He said when you shoot coyotes – you actually make them multiply. And I had to think about that, and I was like, I kind of dug into it. So the thought process is coyotes auto-regulate. So if if there's coyotes on one side of the hill or like a couple alphas, because they have a social structure too, and they get taken away, then the coyotes think, hey, we need to remultiply to to get our herd back up, and they'll have more offspring. So, but there's another, in that same study, it was kind of talking about one way to kill them, but actually like really hurt the numbers is by poison. And because of that is just because of the efficacy. So like if you put out poison, it's going to kill, it's going to knock out most of them. But then you run into other problems like dogs, dogs getting poisoned, poisoning other animals. I don't even know if it's legal, honestly. Um, so that was, a, that was one thought process, but, um, the way I under, I understand it is if you're just shooting like one coyote, two coyotes a year, that's, or not knocking out very many of them. That's when you get into the issues of the multiplication. Whereas if you're going out and just hammering coyotes, like every time they're around, I think that does drop their numbers. But it's just, it's kind of a hot topic of debate and, and kind of an interesting one. There's not a lot of research that I know of it. Yeah, man, I, you know, big part of me just wants to say, you know, anytime you can, like, yeah. like take them out. Um, I, I am strongly behind the theory that, you know, when you, the more you kill, the more they populate. Because, and this is, you know, what I've read too, like, so, you know, um, a female dog will have, you know, say 12, 12 cubs or cats or not cats, sorry, but pups. But pups yeah. yeah. And, and, um, you know, if the population in that area is very dense, then, you know, she'll just abandon them and only keep like one or two. But, you know, if the population is thin, she'll keep and raise all of them. Really? Yeah. I, I hadn't heard of that yeah. one before. So, you know, part of me wants, man, you know, it's a fine line. Like the more you kill, you know, there's going to populate, but you know, if you don't kill any of them, well, you still got the same amount. They're just keeping, you know, one or two, you know, pups, um, not a fan of them. I mean, uh, <laughs> we were, we're kind of coming to the conclusion. We lost a calf, um, a few weeks ago and we think that's what's happened. Like the coyotes kind of just circled it. It was a young calf and you know, to the top of the hill and because like the mom's still in the field, you know, not balling for it, nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we had another calf, uh, I don't know, like a uh, two weeks later and, you know, they, the mom hid that calf like crazy and they really haven't did it that, you know, they haven't hid their calves like that, you know, for forever. Um, man, so I'm, I'm not a big fan of them. And I, I know I've hunted with guys that hunt them with dogs. Um, I mean, I've, I've hunted them at night with the light, mm-hmm. and, you know, now they got the, you know, night vision, which yep. is pretty awesome. You can record it and stuff. Um, man, yeah, I, I think they're definitely an issue, but, but you know, you also got foxes, you got fishers, mm-hmm. um, bobcats, uh, you know, the little bit of snow we did have last year, I was hunting in an area and which, you know, was kind of like my honey hole I had, like, you know, and I know some people are going to laugh at this, but like, you know, I'd get seven to 10 flushes in like an hour and a half, two hour hunt, which was awesome. Like, you know, and I'd only 
maybe kill one or two. Like I didn't even want to kill any birds out there because, you know, I found this little patch and every time I could go there, get birds up and man, I've hunted it this year twice and never even had a flush. And I'm like, like, man, like this isn't good. But I hunted it with uh, a little bit of snow in the ground. Didn't see any tracks where that place was flooded with cat tracks. I mean, I was like getting ready to say dude, like, like yep. when I mean flooded, like I couldn't walk you know, 50 yards and cut a different track. Like, I'm sure some of them were the same cat. And I'm, and I'm not saying Are that. Are you talking about like feral cats or bobcats? Bobcats. Oh, yeah. See, I can't back it where I heard it from. I heard it this year. You may have told me. I, I can't remember. Someone told me where I read it. I can't remember. But they said the biggest, one of the biggest um, stressors on the grouse is feral cats, hmm. which... I'm kind of soft-hearted. I can't go out and just shoot a cat. Um, no, I mean, I'm not going to do that either. Like, but that can be that's someone's what I've, That's what I've heard. And when I think about it, I can totally believe that. Yeah, because, I mean, they're they're vicious. Like, like I'm all for having, like, a barn cat and stuff, you know. Like, they're good to killing mice and, and, you know, snakes and everything else and, you know, keeping snakes away or whatnot. But, man, I, I, I don't know. Like... Because places I'm getting, you know, birds up at, I, I don't see a feral cat being that deep in the woods. But, you know, like like in close to a town, like, you know, that's right off a trail or whatnot, like I could see. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. So let's talk a little bit about you went to South Dakota this year. And I know you invited me. I really wanted to go. Missed out. And I did miss out. I did know that there was a big snowstorm coming. So I knew you were going to have a little bit of a rough time. Um we want to talk a little bit about your South Dakota trip. We went, you went mostly for pheasants, I believe. Yep. And then some of the tools you used out there. Um, I know that you're a big watch guy and I will eventually get a Garmin watch just cause it tells you, you have the 100 and I have the 200 I. And as far as telling you when the dogs are on point, if I, if there's anything I could fix about Garmin, it would just that update a little bit faster. Um, I know it'd kill your battery, but um, I'm hoping usually Garmin drops or updates their, their handhelds and stuff every two to three years. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping on the, on the next, whatever they come out with, it'll show that a little bit quicker. But one thing I did notice was when we went looking for those Bob whites, which we found like what, 20, 25 or something. Yep. Um, you would always know your dog was on point before me and it wasn't because of the handhelds, it was because the watch and I don't know why that technology works faster, but it does. Um, so just any tools you used and how that trip went. Yeah. So, uh, like you said, I have a Garmin 100 or alpha 100. Um, man, I'm, I'm just in love with like everything Garmin. Like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a Garmin fanboy. It's awesome. Uh, I, bought, I bought stock in Garmin. I like them uh, so much. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, they're, they're just phenomenal. Um, I have the Phoenix 5X. I know they have the 6X out now. Um, my wife actually bought me my 5X, I think, for my birthday. And, man, I'm telling you what, it, that is probably the most used thing that she has ever bought me. And, and it, it's, it might be the most technology thing I've ever used besides maybe my cell phone. You know, just I, I'd be lost without that thing. Um, and out there hunting, it, or in the woods, like I, I literally put my GPS like in my pack and don't look at it until, you know, I'm lost in the woods somewhere where I need to find the truck or, or whatnot. Like, man, it, it tells me when the dogs are on point, tells me how far. And it's a little bit more accurate too. Like it will tell me like, you know, they're 50.5 feet away instead of just like, you know, 50 or 51, which, which I know that's not, you know, a game changer or nothing, but, but just the, the closeness, it, I, I feel like it tracks the dogs a little bit better too. And, but just the simplicity, like walking, you know, not so much in South Dakota, but, um, you know, in, in the grouse woods, when you're in a briar thicket or a whole bunch of saplings, you know, like it, Max is black can't see him like you know unless there's snow on the ground like man like he blends in like crazy and I, you know i'm not holding on to my gps looking to see where he's at like you don't have this big clunky thing like i got it right there on my watch so you know you flip it upside down you know your hand on your butter the uh, forearm of your gun like man you can 
be ready to ready to go when that bird flushes. Um, so those were like my two big technology things I had. Uh, had a buddy actually loan me <clears throat> another Alpha 100 just as a backup and a caller. Um, I got a new T15X and I have original T15 callers. I do think the 15X is a little quicker on updating and it tells me when Allie's on point a little bit like, and I've tested it, like I've just thrown them out in, you know, the, the yard and the 15X will, will show that, you know, it's on point probably like a second or two quicker. And, and that doesn't sound like crazy, but, but I'm telling you that that's a lot. Um, that's a good point too, because I, I was running the TT 15s. I, mm-hmm. I don't have the X's and that could have been part of it as well as a newer caller. I always try to keep my stuff updated and that's a big tip for anyone that's, that's running this stuff. Um, they come up with updates all the time and like, you have to keep your stuff updated. Oh yeah. And, and, and I think that's like the big thing. And, and I feel like the distance is a little bit more accurate. Like never that the, the T15 was off or, you know, that bad or, or whatnot, but it, it seems like it's uh, just a little quicker to tell me, you know, the exact distance. And so that was uh, really nice to have. Uh, I did borrow a mini, uh, um, well, I guess a T15 mini. Yeah, I, think I saw those. How, how was that? <sighs> They're, they're just a little bit smaller, have the smaller screen, and mostly tell you direction. But you, well, can, no, can you stimulate so this, them? This was the, the caller, the uh, uh, mini the, caller. Oh, the TT. Okay, I yeah. got you. I'm, I'm thinking of the mini uh, yeah. handheld. I forget I think, what that's what called. What do they call that? I think they call it a 10X or something. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, and uh, so I had the mini caller, and, and I ran it on Allie, actually, uh, when she was a puppy. It, the same boy let me borrow it. Um, I like it. But, but for the price difference and what you get out of a full-size collar, unless you're running like a small Brittany or Beagles, like I, I go full-size, the, the ADR charge life on, on like that 15X is awesome. That's crazy. That, yeah. would, that would be very helpful. Yeah. Um, so that was the main technology. Um, I did find, remember those TT15Xs that I told you about? Yeah. So quick uh, side note, I found these this crazy deal on TT15Xs, and I told Jed, I was like, if I if this is not a scam, I'm going to start wholesaling these because they were going for, I think it was, it was like 180 bucks or 150 bucks. Or, it was like 200 bucks or 100 bucks less than what a normal one costs. And I was like, I'm going to make so much money. I was like, I'll tell you the website if they actually come, and they never came. It was a scam I got. <laughs> so then I had to call a... Uh, chase and uh and uh get my credit card stuff all figured back out but uh it was worth a shot oh yeah definitely for that price well, well i told you it's like man like i'm i feel like it's a scam but i think i'm going to order them too just just in case it's not <laughs> like you're like well i ordered it like three days ago and nothing's came through yet I'm yep. like, ah, okay but um yeah so so that was the technology i used uh shotgun um I'm a big Browning fan. The so A5. Yep, yep. I had my uh, Browning uh, A5 20 gauge Belgium. Uh, that was my 10th, 10th birthday present, I believe, from my oh, dad. Oh, really? You've had it that long? Yeah, yeah. So, so man, I know this is going to make people cringe. So, it was too big when I got... Well, originally, my dad bought me a side-by-side. and Your dad knew it was too big. He was just buying it for yeah, himself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, uh and I didn't like the side by side because it's too big for my hand. And um, found this 20 gauge in the bulletin board. Went and looked at it. I think my dad gave him the side by side and like a hundred bucks or fifty bucks. I, I can't quite remember. And it was a uh, man. It was like a 30 inch barrel, full choke, like not exchangeable, like just solid choke. And we took that thing to a gunsmith. It has a 20 inch barrel. Cut it down, drilled it, put chokes in it. And that thing has killed, you know, more rabbits, grouse, pheasant. I mean, anything and everything. Like, like I mean, I've I've used that gun for, well till I was twenty five. So you know, fifteen years. That's the only shotgun I use. Love it. Still love it to this day. Um, also have a Browning Max's uh, twelve gauge three. It will chamber three and a half. Um, love that gun too. After the first day, we actually, that was, that was like my go-to gun. Um, man, them, them birds in South Dakota. So so we went week before Christmas, 
we originally planned to go to Kansas. That that was our go-to. And Kansas' uh, season doesn't come in until a little late in November. So didn't want to be there. Over- they, don't, they don't even start till November? Yeah. It's oh, I like, didn't realize that. I think they're... Probably just such big deer economy that they have going on. They're like, yeah. we don't want to screw this up with people walking around. Yeah. Like, it, I don't have my notes in front of me, so, you know, don't don't bash me too bad here. But I believe they're their pheasant season doesn't come in till like the week before Thanksgiving. So I didn't want to be there opening weekend. I didn't want to be there Thanksgiving. And then I figure I give it a week to cool down, you know, after or, or a couple weeks after Thanksgiving, you know, sure the birds. Oh, well, then deer season was still in. Didn't want to be there during deer season. Didn't feel like, you know, a dog getting shod or, you know, making, um, you know, deer hunters back because I understand that a lot of them guys traveled to Kansas to go deer hunt too. And then, so that was our plan. Had it all planned out. Uh, do Bob White quail, pheasant, kind of be in the mix of, of both, like be able to drive an hour, you know, each way and be in a good mix. Well, talked to a lot of DNR guys, uh, land management people. They're awesome to talk to. Um, great information. You just emailed them or you talked to them when you no, got there? No, I, I just find their number online. I just give them a <laughs> ring. And, and uh, uh, the, the one guy, uh, man, he was awesome. Like, like we talked like we were best friends. And which, you know, anyone that knows me knows I can, you know, talk to a tree and hold a conversation. Yep. And, That's uh, how we became friends. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Instagram <laughs> stalkers. Yeah. And, uh, but um, so, so I was talking to them. Numbers were looking good. And then, of course, they got that big drought. And, you know, they're like, man, you can come here, but, you know, our numbers aren't good. Like, you know, all their habitat, you know, it, they were, the state was allowing people to run their cattle out on, on state land or they're mowing the hay for the farmers. So they're losing a lot of habitat. And, and I know people that still went and had great success and, and good for them. But, you know, first year out there going blind, like just didn't seem like our, our best idea. Uh, so kind of started looking around. Everyone's like record number South Dakota, like South Dakota's flooded with birds. I'm like, what's another 10 hours? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, plan, planned a trip, found, found an Airbnb. People were cool with having dogs. Um, planned a trip. Three of us headed out. And uh, it, was, it was an awesome trip, trip of a lifetime. But I think we kind of missed the boat by a few weeks. Um, the the birds had a lot of pressure, and man, they they knew it. And uh, when we first got there, talked to a couple guys, they're like, "Listen, like when you go to your spot, don't even close your door hard. Like, I mean, soft close it. When you chamber one in your shotgun, like hold you know hold your slide. Like, don't don't let it slam." I'm like, "Nah, it can't be that bad." man, first day, like we shut the car door. And I mean, you probably saw like 20 birds just flush out like, like 100, 100, 200 yards out. And I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, that, that was wild. Um, big learning curve. I think the first day, well, so we weren't originally going to hunt till Monday, but we got there a little early on Sunday and they allow Sunday hunting. So <clears throat> we went out Got a few birds up. Uh, Max had a couple good points. Um, first bird, he kind of bumped. Uh, maybe my fault. I let him out a little far. Um, I was kind of letting him range out like 100, 120 yards, which is pretty far for him. Uh, kind of came up on a bird. He stopped. That bird felt the pressure and just checked out. And, and I mean, well, I mean pressure. He was probably still 20, 30 yards from, from where the bird flushed. Um, I'm like, okay, well, this is going to be a learning curve for all of us. Hunted, hunted a couple other spots, got a lot of birds up, you know, sa- same story though, just way out in front of us. Like the dogs didn't even have a chance. Uh, come to Monday, um, there's a little spot about an hour from us that that was actually their opening day for, for pheasant. Um, it's a big wildlife management area. Um, so we drove, made that drive, got there like, you know, in South Dakota, you're not allowed to start hunting uh, for pheasant till 10 a.m. Hmm. So so we're like, ah, we'll get there like nine o'clock, kind of unload the dogs, let them use the bathroom, get ready. Man, that place was like just littered at like 830 with people. Found, what's, what's the rule for that? Or like why? Um, 
I re- so I, I'm really not sure because see you, you can hunt sharp tail early, but you can't pheasant. I don't know if it's uh, a roosting, you know, letting them get out to go feed. I don't know if it is for because so water. There's, there's probably not as many trees trees out there, right? So no. it's like they probably mostly roost on the ground. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know if it's a little bit for the waterfowl hunters um, mm. because yeah, I can see that. Yeah, there's, because that's big out there. Yeah, because you know you find a lot of the pheasant and the cattails and and um, you know the grass around the ponds and you know any water you know you're going to find a pheasant so I, I i maybe see that like you know you don't want to be sitting there duck hunting with your dogs and your you know your your layout and you got this pheasant hunter rolling up at 8 a.m you know just blowing through you you know trying to get you know pheasant up i don't know if that's a little bit uh the reason or not um but anyway so so we got there at gate 39 o'clock kind of drove around you know used on x maps like I don't know how anyone ever hunted before, like on X, like that. Amazing. Um, found a spot, found a road, went down it. We were the only ones. Um, of course, you know, dry, people started flooding in, you know, like half hour after we did. Um, anyways, talked to them, kind of got a game plan so everyone wasn't on top of each other. Um, man, 10 o'clock rolled out. We started going and it was wild because we were on a gravel road, uh, Andy DeFazio, a good friend of mine, just walking down the road, had Max, you know, working the fields. And like, we're seeing birds flush like two, 300 yards out in front of us. Like we have the wind in our favor. And it's like, what do you do? Like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how they even heard us. I don't know if it's, you know, hearing other hunters or other shots. Were you running bells on your dogs? No, no. You know, wasn't running a beeper on him, wasn't running uh, bells, nothing, just just solid mm. GPS. Yeah. And man, I've I've never seen the life of birds, but I've also never seen them so spooky in my life. Um, you know, had had a few good points, a couple of good connections with, with birds. Um, it funniest thing, Andy uh, shot a bird, I mean, dead as dead could be you know, took pictures of it. It's his first South Dakota pheasant, you know, beautiful ring neck, threw it in his bag, um, you know, made sure it's dead. Don't want to get too graphic. Don't want to upset anyone. <laughs> Put it in his pack, you know. I killed a monster ring neck. Like, I mean, I, shame on me. Never, uh, you know, measured its tail or anything, but this bird was monstrous. Beautiful, beautiful ring neck. We get back to the truck, um, probably after like a two hour hunt, want to swap out dogs, get alley. And, uh, I put my bird in the back of his forerunner and he gets his bird out of his pack. I don't think I told you the story. Get his mm. bird out of his pack. And he's like, Hey Jed, throw this, throw this in the truck. And he throws it to me and that bird it takes, takes flight, <laughs> dude. And if you saw his face and, and I mean, I'm kind of like on the verge of like, do I laugh or do I feel bad for him? You know? Yep. So we get Max back out, saw where it landed. And I mean, it was hurt. It couldn't fly or anything. Max, you know, pinned it down and uh, it was just under some like soygram and went and picked it up and, you know, made sure it's dead that time. <laughs> and he's like, dude, I, I don't know. He said, I'm, I'm done. And, and uh, just kind of laughed, you know, but uh, swapped out dogs and went out and hammered a couple more birds. Um, that was Allie's first time on the ground. You know, she bumped some birds. She pointed a few birds. Um, it's crazy, like, for a puppy. At, so at this time, she was seven months old, eight months old, eight months old. And, uh, man, she picked it up very quick. Like, first time she ever seen a pheasant. Um, was really impressed with her. Uh, the roosters were not sitting still. Like, they, they would blow out you know, 80, 100 yards, but we had a lot of good work on hens. Um, man, we could have shot our limit of hens, like, you know, in, in a half hour of hunting every day. They have different rules out there, though, right? You can't yeah. shoot hens? Yeah, no, you're not allowed to take hens. I uh, can't shoot them. Got to let them fly. Um, you know, it's it's great dog work, but then again, you know, it's kind of frustrating. You, mm-hmm. know, you, you drove 21 hours, and, you know, you're not putting any birds in the 21 bag. 21 hours one way. Yeah, yeah, one, yeah, 21 <laughs> hours one way. So, 
so that was like our our first full day um i think we got two or three birds uh second day woke up snowing pretty windy you know it, i can't i think it was like wind chill it was like you know we're 20 degrees hard hard sending conditions yeah yeah it's super windy like you know no matter how you hunt at some point in time you're not going to have the wind in your favor you, you just do your best to circle around to you know to the spot you want to hit and we actually went back to the same spot that we that we went you know the first day and there wasn't a soul there if that tells you how bad the weather was um which we woke up and i think we left at like seven in the morning and, you know an hour drive took two hours to get there um got there tough sending conditions put some birds up uh i believe i shot a rooster and andy missed the, well i mean he missed a few we, we both missed a bunch <laughs> like I, I mean that that's that's no lie um a little learning curve to that too so you so we kind of went with all still shot and tell me if I'm rambling, if, if, if you need no, to interrupt no, me. No, you're good. Um, you know. Which I would have told you not to do if I would have known. Yeah, that, yeah. I hate, it's, I hate still shot. I, well, I do too now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so they got, uh, you know, waterfowl management areas. Well, in waterfowl management areas. You can only use still shot. Yeah. Well, non-toxic, right? Oh, non-toxic. Yeah. yeah so you non- can still use bismuth, tungsten, yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah, but, but non-toxic. So I'm like, okay, well you know, some of the other walk-in areas and stuff, you don't have to use still shot. You can use lead, which is ideal. But I'm like, man, we're going to be hitting, like literally from our cabin, we could walk across the street to a walk-in area to, I think like five, 600 acres, right? So like, I mean, we had spots all around us that was awesome, but a lot of them were waterfowl management areas too. So I'm like, I'm not taking shells in and out of my vest. I'm like, we'll just get still shot. We'll be fine. Like uh, I goose hunted like way back in the day. They, you know, still shot was fine. Had different shot size, different, you know, everything. And man, I know Max, Max went on point, put up a good rooster. Now it blew out probably like 30, 40 yards in front of me, still well in range, pulled up. I hit this bird and physically saw the bird shift its pattern in flight and then it just kind of locked its wings put another one in it and physically saw like feathers fly and this bird probably flew a mile across into private land and I'm like what more can I do and and after that I actually went from a modified choke and put a full choke in Mm -hmm. because I, I didn't know what else to do like and Andy was the same way. Uh, he knocked down a bird, um, and and uh, old cattails. And man, we looked for that bird probably for an hour. Like had Max on the ground. The bird was running, obviously. And there's so much scent on the ground for them. There's so many birds in that area. I think it's almost like overwhelming for for our pointers and. All the old scent, yeah. Like, like I mean, of course, you know, we have fresh snow. We have snow from that morning, and I mean, it it was just flooded with with you know pheasant tracks. So you don't know, you know, what birds what, and I mean, of course, you know, we're still hunting, and but still trying to find the bird Andy hit, and 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 that's not the only instance. You know, there Mm -hmm. there's a few times that happened, and just we never could find it, and and you hate that. You know, because I, I never want to injure any animal and not be able to, you know, recover it. But at, at that point in time, like, what what do you do? Um, and, and it was kind of the same story, you know, the rest of the day. Good points on hens, you know, the, the roosters. And the problem, too, is, you know, the hens set tight. Well, they flush out of there. And it just notifies yeah. all the other birds, man. And, and it's uh, like an alarm going off for them. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, you know, it's, it, I swear, like, you know, they talk to each other. It's like, you know, you can't be shot. You just sit here tight when you, you know, bail out. We'll all know to bail out too. Um, and it, man, it's just, it was tough. It was aggravating. It was frustrating, but, you know, it's still an awesome time. Um, 
What if you felt like your dogs were um, the stamina kept up? What, what were you feeding them? Uh, so I actually listened to your podcast with uh, the guy off the Kinetic. Yep. Um, a little rundown. Max is seven now. Started off with uh, Diamond. Uh, I don't know. I forget what it was like their higher end mm-hmm. performance. Um, didn't mind the food. He looked good on it, but. And, and I'm not dog and diamond. This isn't a pun to them. Um, but man, he had the runs like all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like we'd hunt for two, three hours and he would stop just like every half hour and just try to poop and, and nothing would come out. And like, it, never like his stomach was upset, but, but just like always, and it was right. always running. Like when he was like, you know, exerting himself. So I switched from that and went to a uh, pre and a pro plan fed it for years looked good on it i liked it and then man it was like middle of season one day he just stopped eating and and i was feeding the 30 20 and like like we came home from a hunt and he didn't want to eat i'm like ah, i'll just leave it here for him like next day is still there we went hunting came home didn't want to eat actually went and just bought some dog food well actually i think i made some burgers for him and and a couple of eggs just so he'd eat and like gobbled it down like he was hungry but man, just like, just stopped eating it. I'm like, okay. And then from there, we went to, I want to say Yukonuba, and I love that dog food. Like it, it was, I actually saw uh, a big change from pro plan to Yukonuba with him. Um, his coat was shiny. He actually put on a little bit more weight because, I mean, he was just skinny, skinny as can be. But, like, I mean, he's middle of season. Like, he's hunting. Like, I'm not worried about that. He's healthy. But with Yukonuba, he had good energy. He felt like his energy might have went up a little bit. Um, his stamina, like, throughout the day. And then, um, you know, Yukonuba's price and, and you know, kind of went up a little bit more than, than I was comfortable with feeding. Um went to another brand, I'm not going to name a name because I don't want to knock it. Um, he looked good on it and he loved the food. But uh, at this time, so he was five and uh, we're like it just beginning of hunting season. And man, he was stiff. Like at the end, like one day of hunting, yep. like he, like that evening, like he was walking around like limping and stiff. I'm like, mm, I, don't, I don't like this. Um, went to uh, Taste of the Wild. Oh wow, you've really fed them a lot of different yeah, brands. Yeah, yeah, and I and I hated doing that. Like, like you know, because like I kind of like sticking to one brand. Mm-hmm. Um, but so like we did Pro Plan for probably from I'm going to say like a year and a half to to like three and a half, and and so this is from you know you know a year and a half's time going through these foods, and and um, but. Uh, taste of the wild he did good on um but he still kind of had um kind of had that stiffness like when mm-hmm. like you know we we're coming into season it was so it'd been this season yeah and uh you know doing conditioning just doing some runs and man he's getting stiff and actually i took him to the vet because i was worried about his one front paw or, or his whole front uh leg um he's limping real bad after we had any kind of physical exercise and, and they said uh they saw an old break in his paw and some arthritis setting in. Like, okay. And this is about the same time you uh, had the interview or podcast with the, the guy at Kinetic. And I know you were feeding it. And I was like, man, shoot, I'll, I'll try anything. You know, just may, maybe that's what he's missing. And it wasn't two weeks later. And this is no shame to taste of the wild either. And, you know, I'm not bashing him. Like, I, I like that food. He, he did well. Um, we were ramping up, you know, getting ready for season, you know, more runs and, you know, more intensity, working with pigeons and like his limp stop, like no supplements, no nothing, just, just straight food. And man, like he's ran probably, this is probably the most I've hunted in a few years and, and very grateful for that. Grateful for my wife letting me, you know, she, you know, like I'll wake up, you know, Saturday, you to, she ain't going to listen to this. Yeah, episode. no, no. But, that. but, but, you know, it's, it's true. You know, like I'll wake up Saturday morning. She's like, you going hunting? I'm like, well, I mean, I can. She's like, yeah, if you want to, I'm like, oh, see ya. Try like, to get rid of you. Yeah. She, she, she just wants the baby all to herself, I think. But, um, 
But, you know, so he put in big miles, was never sore. South Dakota, like, you know, 20 miles every day and and was good. Um, probably a month before we went to South Dakota, I did start feeding uh, alpha dog. Um, it's just their joint. It, mm-hmm. If you go on their site, they got a, a, yeah, a thing. All their joint stuff. Yeah, all their joint stuff. I, I do the pill and the powder. Um I mean, I think a lot of it's his, you know, diet with his his food, the kinetic. Uh, but man, like, I'm not going to say it's not some of that supplements too. Yeah, it, you know, he he's seven now. Um, I know I've re- said that. Um, anything to help him, you know, to recover quick. You know, he he's a big dog too. He he is a big dog. Yeah, he's pushing eighty pounds, like. Like out of season, he's he's probably like a little over eighty pounds. Like That's right now, massive for yeah, yeah. Like right now, uh, he's like seventy eight pounds. Like like maybe you can see him down to seventy six. Like that's him, like super skinny. Like I mean, he's and, and you've seen him. Like I mean, mm-hmm. he's not. I mean, he's just a ball of muscle. Um, but yeah, so so very impressed with that food. Like very big fan of it. Um, I, I might go to a. I'm feeding their thirty twenty right now. For the summertime, I might uh, knock it down a notch. Yeah, knock it down to I think it's like they're twenty eight sixteen. I can't maybe. remember all yeah. the. I know I knocked mine down. I, th- I was he- I was feeding them the highest, yeah. and uh, they're putting on a tad bit of weight, so I knocked it down. I think I have them on the thirty twenty now. But yeah, I'm the, I'm the same way though. They have a lot of uh, um, not supplements, but they have a lot of like joint things in built into their food that help with that too, and. Uh, just an update for everyone. I told them my update. Dogs are doing great on it. Um, they're still eating it. They like it. And um, the acne on Miles' head, completely gone, never came back. For his entire life, he had it, which I just thought was normal. But um, So that's all cleared up. His ears looking better, So, uh, which makes me feel bad because I didn't realize that, you know, that was kind of on me. He was getting good dog food. It's just he does better on this. So. And with the prices, it comes straight to your door at a lower price. You know, it's it's been hard to beat. So yeah, yeah, and and that's you know, um, in your podcast with and, and I hate re- repeating it. I, I'm shame on me for not remembering his name, but with the guy from Kinetic, like you know, the thing that kind of almost won me over with that with the food too is like he didn't push his product. Like he's no. like yeah, mm-hmm. like he's like you know, not every dog's going to do well on our dog food and and that's true like you know like i said like i like pro plan like, like all all those foods like my dog did degrade on you know except for like a few little things um and i was feeding those foods or those brands of dog food because you know i had friends that were feeding their dogs that and they're like man like this is the best thing i've ever fed my dog i'm like okay well i'll, I'll try it like and you know that just shows like you know since your dog does great on this, you know, my dog does great on that. Like, you know, um, and, and he kind of went over that and, and, you know, he was talking about his product, but he is also telling you, you know, what to look for in a quality dog food. And he's like, you know, there's other brands that do have this quality dog food. We maybe just beat them on, on the price point. Mm-hmm. And, and he definitely does. Um, you know, actually I just, uh, I just, I go through Chewy. I, I know you have a, a different place you go through, but I'm getting, what are they, 36-pound bags? I, I yeah. can't remember. I believe so. Yeah, and and it's like $50, you know, delivered to my doorstep. Like, you know, they're always throwing um, all kind. Know, they always have discount coupon, code. Yeah, discounts. Yeah, so, yeah, and you can't beat it. And, and uh, last— I think I used PetFlow maybe. I can't remember the name exactly, but it the, with the discounts and everything, it's like it's literally cheaper than even driving to the store to get it. It oh, makes no sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and it's always here. Like, you know, yep. you kind of schedule. I did have to bump mine up. Uh, a few weeks ago, I started mixing Allie's puppy food with uh, the Kinetic. I, I, I was bowed out of puppy food. I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to buy another bag and, and start feeding her, you know, or feed, you know, another couple months of puppy food. And I'm like, ah, I'll just start mixing it in with, with, uh, you know, the kinetic here for, for a little while. And yeah, I mean, she gobbles it up too, but man, that dog, I think you could put the whole, you know, 30 pound bag in front of her and she's going to eat it. She's, yep. she's crazy little pup. Well, I know we have a lot more to talk about. Um, but we're coming up probably even past an hour now and which we'll try to keep it under that. And I know you worked last night and didn't get much sleep. 
Uh, so we'll start wrapping it up. One thing that I did want to mention, um, I bought this year. I haven't had to use it, thankfully, um, but just peace of mind, I went ahead and got it, was um, cable cutters. I got the uh, Falco C7, the Swiss ones, um, just for like traps and stuff like that. Um, thankfully, I haven't ran into any wire traps or anything like that. Might do an episode on that. Um, I don't know if you've ran into any of this year, but um, something about just over the past couple of months when I got in the field, there's a peace of mind there. Kind of like when you have your your Garmin, you know, if your dogs run off, you, you know where they are. It's the same kind of peace of mind. You know, if he gets caught up in a, in a wire trap, um, I'll be able to, to rescue him. I've just I heard so many horror stories uh, that that was one thing this year really gave me a lot of peace of mind during the season. So. I thought I would mention that, but uh, if you don't have anything else to add, we'll go ahead and wrap it up just because we're uh, we're well <laughs> over an hour, and that's usually about the sweet spot yeah. for uh, for yeah. listeners. So. Yeah. Um. Just just wrap up my South Dakota trip. The the so we planned on going, you know, Sunday to to Saturday. Um, Wednesday wasn't very productive, man. It, I mean, we got a lot of birds up, but it was you know, 30 mile an hour winds, uh, you know, wind chill factor was in like zero or negatives. And then that night, man, we got a big storm come in Thursday and Friday. We couldn't even hunt. Like there were 50, 60 mile an hour winds and just, you know, a foot of snow. Um, I think we tried to go out one, one day and, and it was just like Max just like hid behind like, like a bush. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. So, <laughs> So like we we cut our trip short and just Friday morning packed up our stuff and got stuck a few times like I mean I'm talking about like seven eight foot snowdrifts like we were trying to bail through and Andy has a, a forerunner that's all decked out for like overland like you know big lift big mm-hmm. tires like you know just everything you could imagine um, thank goodness we had that thing with us um, yeah cre- we, we literally drove eight hours until like you weren't white knuckled to like you could actually like breathe and like be you know, it's like okay like it, until we we're in Iowa um but yeah yeah so that was it was crazy but but hopefully hopefully go uh next year got got some big things in the works for next year gonna go back to South Dakota yeah um would like to um originally planned I wanted to go to Colorado do an elk hunt with archery elk hunt uh wanted to go to South Dakota or Kansas um, but you got a couple other things coming up. Um, so I don't know if all of that will go through, but, but, uh, hopefully so. All right. Sounds good. Well, appreciate you coming on and we'll get some dog training in this summer and we'll be ready to go next year and hopefully get you on again. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And yeah, we'll get the launchers out and the pigeons and get some work done. Heck yeah.